Let's open the Word of God now to, first of all, Leviticus 24, 10 to 23. And then after that, Hebrews 10, 19 to 31. So we begin with Leviticus 24, starting at verse 10. And this is the word of God. Israel is in the wilderness at this time. Now the son of an Israelite woman whose father was an Egyptian went out among the children of Israel. And this Israelite woman's son and a man of Israel fought each other in the camp. And the Israelite woman's son blasphemed the name of the Lord and cursed. And so they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was Shalometh, the daughter of Dibri of the tribe of Dan. Then they put him in custody that the mind of the Lord might be shown to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take outside the camp him who was cursed. Then let all who heard him lay their hands on his head and let all the congregation stone him. Then you shall speak to the children of Israel saying, whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. And whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall certainly stone him, the stranger, as well as him who was born in the land. When he blasphemes the name of the Lord, he shall be put to death. Whoever kills any man shall surely be put to death. Whoever kills an animal shall, be, shall make a good animal for animal. If a man causes disfigurement to his neighbor, as he has done, so shall it be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. As he has caused disfigurement of a man, so shall it be done to him. And whoever kills an animal shall restore it, but whoever kills a man shall be put to death. You shall have the same law for the stranger and for the one from your own country, for I am the Lord your God. Then Moses spoke to the children of Israel, and they took outside the camp him who had cursed and stoned him with stones. So the children of Israel did as the Lord commanded Moses. And then we turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Beginning at verse 19 to 31. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir, up what an, uh, to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there, is no, lo there no longer remains a sac sacrifice for sins, but a, a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. 
of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So far, the word of God. And this afternoon, we confess then Lord's Day 36 of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 36. And there we confess the following. What is required in the third commandment? We are not to blaspheme or to abuse the name of God by cursing perjury or unnecessary oaths, nor to share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders. Rather, we must use the holy name of God only with fear and reverence, so that we may rightly confess him, call upon him, and praise him in all our words and works. Is the blaspheming of God's name by swearing and cursing such a grievous sin that God is angry also with those who do not prevent and forbid it as much as they can? Certainly, for no, no sin is greater or provokes God's wrath more than the blaspheming of his name. That is why he commanded it to be punished with death. So far, our confession of God's word. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, and boys and girls who belong to the Lord. So this morning, we learned from what happened the first time David wanted to take the ark into Jerusalem that the Lord wants to be worshipped by his people in all humility and with reverence according to his word. That has a lot to do in itself already with the, the third commandment of God's law. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. But this afternoon with the third commandment, we'll see that he wants to be honored and revered throughout our day-to-day -day lives. And he commands us to treat his name with reverence whenever we speak of his name in our communication with others and wherever we are. And with that in mind, I preach to you the third commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And we pay attention to four things. The meaning of this commandment, the reality of this commandment, the seriousness of this commandment and the hope with this commandment. First of all, the meaning. In one of his plays, brothers and sisters, Shakespeare had one of his characters ask, what's in a name? A rose by any other name would be a rose all the same. So why is God so concerned about the use of his name? Why so fussy about his name? We're not as concerned about our names, right? Little Jacob Grunewald received an excellent name, in my opinion, but I don't think he would have been loved any less if his parents had given him another name, right? Well, that's, that's different with the Lord God and his name. There have been many, many people with all different names, but they all pass away in time. But from eternity to eternity, there is only one God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God. His name then 
represents who he is and what he has done and still does and will do from eternity to eternity. And that makes his name a lot more important than ours. When he made known to Moses what he was going to deliver, when he was going to deliver his people from Israel and was going to send Moses to deliver them, Moses asked for his name, and from the burning bush, God said, Tell the Israelites, I am has sent you. In Hebrew, that's, that, that name is Yahweh. I am who I am, God's covenant name. I'm absolutely faithful to all my promises always. Sometimes when something happens, we say, it is what it is. Because we can't change it, it's happened. That's, that's the way it is. And God says, I am who I am. That's the way I am. And I'm faithful to that always, from eternity to eternity. But the really amazing thing then is that God, in the almighty and eternal and visible God, communicated his name to sinful people like us, like his covenant people already from the beginning, so that they could know him and communicate with him and about him. At first, God communicated who he is and what he does by means of special revelation to prophets like Moses. But later, he made himself known in the sending of his own son, Jesus Christ, for salvation. Jesus could say, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. He was the full glorious revelation of God's name. So we know the name of the triune God from, from the gospel of Jesus Christ, from his word, from the Bible. In the Bible, God makes his name known to us. Word, the word and his name are basically the same. In the Bible, our God has given his name substance. His name is his revelation of himself, his awesome reputation, and all his eternal promises. Like a long-standing product that has shown itself to be reliable and true over many years. When you hear the name of a product like that, you hear the sound of great respectability and faithfulness to the product. So it is with the Lord your God. His name revealed throughout the Bible should bring us to respect and reverence for who he is, what he did, what he does and what he will do as our God and Father in Jesus Christ. Well, one of the most obvious ways to misuse the name of the Lord our God, then, is to deny or despise who he has shown himself to be and what he does. To speak his name without reverence, without respect for who he is and what he does, and that was what the young fellow we read about in Leviticus 24 did. He was the son of an Israelite mother and an Egyptian father, so he, belonged, he did belong to God's people. That young fellow knew God's name even from experience. He had seen a lot of the great deeds of the Lord, how he manifested his power and faithfulness when he, he brought all those plagues and disasters on Egypt so that they had to let the people of Israel go. And 
That young fellow had seen that column of smoke and fire by means of which the Lord led his people in the wilderness. He'd seen it. He'd even passed through the Red Sea on dry ground with the Israelites between two walls of water. He had drunk water from the rock. He had seen how the Lord had destroyed Nadab and Abihu with fire because they had rebelled against the Lord their God. He'd seen it all. But in spite of knowing the Lord, how he had revealed himself in all those things, witnessing his righteousness and faithfulness and majesty and glory, that young fellow in anger still cursed God, belittled God. And he, got, he did that when he got into a fight with an Israelite. It says in Leviticus 24, he blasphemed the name of the Lord and cursed. Literally, in the original text, it says he pierced or he stabbed the name of the Lord God. So even after all the Lord had told him and shown him, in his anger, he put down Israel's covenant God. That was actually a pagan practice in those days. If pagans wanted to hurt and offend someone, they attacked that person's God. In his anger, that young man yelled irreverent and disrespectful things about the God of Israel. And he despised what God had done, even in feeding him and giving him water from the rock. And that blaspheming of God's name, making God's name nothing, shows us the reality of the third commandment also today, which brings us to the second part of the sermon, the reality of the third commandment. So brothers and sisters, boys and girls, what did that blasphemer in Leviticus do? We're not told exactly what he said, but it's clear the young fellow not only said something like, yeah, you and your God. Things escalated in this fight with that Israelite to the point that he cursed the Lord himself. All that the Lord had done. He said something more or less like this. Your God be damned. He can't help you against me. He is nothing. Even after the Lord God had revealed himself to be who he is to that young man. We sometimes hear similar things said about the Lord our God today too, don't right? Maybe you've heard someone say something like that. Maybe even make fun of Jesus. And when you perhaps end up in a discussion about believing in God and the Bible, maybe people have responded to you by saying things like, well, if the God of the Bible is so good and righteous and almighty, why doesn't he do something about all the injustice and inequality and the suffering that's going on in the world? Why doesn't he change something? If he doesn't do anything about that, who is your God? He's powerless and useless. You're wasting your time with him. And there's, there is blatant denial of God like that in the world and also taking God's name in vain in a less confrontational way so often nowadays you hear God's name itself used as an exclamation mark oh my God it has become such a common expression there's even a short form for it in the in texts hey OMG and that's definitely not said to honor the God of the Bible it's a mindless reduction of God's name to kind of an empty expression, an exclamation mark. They're not honoring God with that. Congregation hearing God's name used irreverently 
or his deeds looked down on in scorn should certainly trouble us. But notice that this commandment isn't actually for unbelievers. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. How do we as believers see and experience the Lord our God? What does his revelation of himself and his word mean to you? We can reject the putting down of God in a mockumentary or so or by other people who don't believe at all, but do we live ourselves with the reality of God's holy name in mind at all times? Our, our doctrine, what we, we believe, and our life, a beautiful unity in which God is glorified in all his wondrous works. There's a big danger, you know, that we as Christians live our daily lives without God. As if God doesn't see us, know us, hear us. And that in itself is already taking his name in vain. Do our daily lives at home, work, or school bring glory to his name? I have to think of the exhortation of the Apostle Paul to older women of the congregation. Titus 2, verse 4 and 5. It says to the, that the, the older women admonish the young women to love their husbands to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their husbands, so that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Brothers and sisters, do you, we realize that when we knowingly commit sin, ignore God's word in what we do, we not only blaspheme God's holy name, but also cause his name to be blasphemed by others around us who see that we don't take his word seriously in our life. The Lord warns, Numbers 15, that anyone who sins presumptuously, anyone who sins with uplifted hand, it says in other uh, translations, or without taking the Lord's revealed will into account, blasphemes the Lord. And that person must be cut off from among his people. So every sin, in fact, every sin of ours is blasphemy, is, is rejecting God's name. The Catechism also works out the third commandment in a positive way when it states in answer 99, rather we must use the holy name of God only with fear and reverence, so that we might rightly confess him, call upon him, and praise him in all our words and works. Use the holy name of God only with fear and reverence. And that includes not using the name of God if our hearts aren't in it. Thoughtlessly. We mentioned that this morning already. If we sit here in church, listen to the opening of his word disinterestedly. If we worship without our heart truly being lifted up to God, we're already misusing his name. But also at home. Also at home, if we open the Bible in which he makes his name known, if we do that thoughtlessly, we're breaking the third commandment. And praying thoughtlessly as if it's just a ritual we have to get through before we move on. That's taking God's name in vain. Because then we're not using his holy name with fear and reverence. 
The danger is always present that our religion just becomes outward form. And then we can sing praise to God's name and pray in his name, but for the rest in our walk of life, he, he just doesn't, he's not there. In our lives, the lives of his covenant people, to whom he has made his name known, we ignore him and then, and we live like those who don't know God. You, you can call that practical atheism. When God doesn't have a role in your life, your daily life, and then you blaspheme God's name even while you're busy with personal worship. And misusing God's name can also mean justifying something you do by saying, well, this is okay with the Lord, I'm pretty sure of that. God won't mind if I do that. Even though you don't truly know that from the Bible, then we've already made up our mind and we just use God's name to rationalize what we ourselves want, think, feel. God's name is sometimes thrown back and forth in all kinds of disputes about how this or that should be done, whereas it's actually a lot about our own feelings or thoughts or opinions. So we have to be very careful what we use God's name for. And then I also have to think of the office bearers in their work. Am I really saying what God wants or am I using God's name to promote my own thoughts? Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, we all have to be careful how we use the holy name of God most high as he has made that known in his word. Use that glorious name as revealed in scripture only with fear and reverence. When we speak, when we open the Bible, when we say our catechism, when we preach, when we sing praise, how we live and speak with each other, the Lord our God gave us his name in his word so that we can lift him up before others. All his marvelous works show them. And he who has given us his great and glorious name to use can therefore also never accept the ignoring or the taking of his name in vain. Then It's like if you give someone a really precious gift, like a, a really expensive Rolex watch, and then they shove it under the short leg of the kitchen table to stop it from wobbling, you'd be quite offended, wouldn't you, if that's what they did with that expensive gift? Well, how much more the Lord God, if we don't treat the holy name, his holy name and word which he gave us with deep respect and reverence. And that brings us to the third part of the sermon this afternoon, then too, the seriousness of this commandment. We read about a young man being stoned to death because he blasphemed. It sounds really brutal in our, to our 21st century Canadian ears, right? Imagine that blasphemy against God carried the death penalty like that today. If you know how much God's holy name is being blasphemed in the media today, you'd say, well, the executioners are going to be working overtime, right? When we hear a story like we read in Leviticus today, you can't help thinking of fanatical Muslims like in Pakistan who demand that Christians be executed for confessing Jesus Christ as the only Savior. Muslims like that, they, they would agree with what took place in Leviticus 24. They, they get terribly upset when people say something negative about Allah or the, the prophet Muhammad. 
what about us? Do we see taking God's name in vain as something offensive or is that serious? Think of what we confess in question and answer 100. No, no sin. No sin is greater or provokes God's wrath more than the blaspheming of his name. No sin is greater. This is important to the Lord. It's the greatest sin in God's eyes. So this is something we do have to think about. And that's not just Old Testament stuff. How much more serious is the misuse and the blaspheming of God's name in the New Testament after his name has been so much more gloriously revealed in his son Jesus Christ who gave himself for his people. Became one of us. Died and rose again for our salvation. He has made God's name even more great and wonderful than in the days of Moses. God's name shines a lot more gloriously than ever before in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, we now have the full revelation of his holy name in, in the scriptures. This is how the Lord, this is our, our God. He has shown in his son who he is. And all this congregation makes the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. All the more serious today. In Jesus Christ God's name is revealed to be much more glorious. Than when that young fellow blasphemed that name in Leviticus 24. Who is your God? Think of what we read in Hebrews 10. It says there verses 28 to 31. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy at the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God, profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, and outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. So blasphemy no longer carries the death penalty in our civil law, let alone in the churches. But that doesn't make it any less serious. Not treating God's holy name with awe and reverence and preventing it as much as we can now results in the sentence of eternal death, which is a lot more serious than physical death being stoned. And this sin is so serious in God's eyes that as we confess in question 100, God is also angry with those who don't prevent it and forbid it as much as they can. We see the truth of that in what we read about the young man who blasphemed in Leviticus 24 also. In principle, God held the whole nation of Israel responsible for that man's sin. You could even say they were complicit in his blasphemy. Because look at look what the people who heard him blaspheme, what they had to do. When he was taken outside the camp, they had to lay their hands on his head. That's what the Israelites had to do with their offerings for their sins. Lay the hands on the on the animals being offered. So in fact the people who had heard the young man blaspheme were responsible for that sin too. And laid it back on his head. And then all the people were to stone him. The whole people. And that shows that in the church we're all connected. You never sin alone. We're all responsible for each other. 
But now we've seen that this commandment means what it means, something of what it means and how serious God takes it. As I mentioned this morning too, it could make you a little bit afraid to be one of God's people, right? Because we're all guilty of sin against this commandment every day, right? Who can stand before God's holy throne and say that he or she has always used God's name with fear and reverence, never forgotten it? And that brings us to the last part of the sermon, the hope with this commandment. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, when you think of this commandment, when you think it all through, then we have to all confess we fall far short when it comes to always treating God's name with reverence and awe, holding up his name, confessing it before others, preventing the misuse of his name by others. Our hearts are not always in the word and our worship. Who can stand before God's throne? We fail to honor and reveal his name in so many ways. Well, this commandment is also meant to funnel us so that we do not seek our lives outside of ourselves. It funnels us to Jesus Christ alone. He stood in our place also when it came to our sins against the third commandment. He also filled, fulfilled this commandment perfectly. In everything he did, he glorified his Father in heaven. That was his prayer, John 17. I've glorified you on the earth. His heart was fully set always to revere God everywhere. Never thoughtless, but always focused on God and the fear of God. His life perfectly matched his profession in every single way. Not a dot and an iota did he not fulfill of the third commandment. And so he was also able to take on himself the full punishment for all our sins, also our sins against the third commandment. And he was sentenced to death in our place for sin against this particular commandment too. When he was brought before the high priest Caiaphas, Caiaphas asked him in God's name to say whether he was the Christ, the Son of God. Swear whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. And when he said that he was, the high priest declared before the Sanhedrin, you've heard him blaspheme. He declared he had blasphemed God in the presence of all, and the Sanhedrin right away sentenced him to death for blasphemy. Congregation, Jesus Christ was sentenced to death for all our sins, also our sins against the third commandment. The punishment we deserve was laid on him. He who only used God's name with reverence and awe always suffered and died in a cursed death on the cross for us who so often fall short of using God's name with only reverence and awe. And you realize that in order to truly glorify God's name, we need to embrace Jesus Christ in faith and keep embracing him in faith. We can take shelter in him from God's just wrath against this sin over us. In him, 
we're declared innocent. As if we had never misused the name of God. As if we had always used God's name only with fear and reverence and awe as he did. And if we embrace him and continue to do so, congregation, then by his spirit, Jesus Christ also empowers us to more and more become new people whose deepest desire is to always praise God in all our words and works. Amen.